Crowner Plus acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land, waters and sky and respects their enduring spiritual connection to country. We acknowledge the sorrow of the past and our hope and belief that we can move to a place of equity, partnership and justice together. We acknowledge Elders past, present and emerging and pay our respects to the cultural authority of First Peoples. Welcome to Crownercast, the remote health podcast produced by Crowner Plus. This podcast is all about telling the stories of the remote health workforce. In each episode, a nurse, midwife or health professional shares their experiences of working in rural and remote Australia. Crownercast is designed for you to listen to on the plane, in the car between clinics or during your downtime. Download it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favourite podcast app so that you can tune in even when you're out of range. I'm your host Kate Ridge and in this episode I'm speaking with Lorraine. Lorraine is a registered nurse and midwife and is currently working in far north Queensland. Lorraine speaks passionately about her role as a midwife and how she is part of a new program in Weeper that enables mothers and families to stay together thanks to a midwifery group practice model. She provides practical advice for nurses and midwives who are interested in entering remote practice and a great understanding of how to have a long career if you're working remote. I'm really pleased today to have our guest Lorraine. So welcome Lorraine to the podcast. Uh, It's a real pleasure to have you on as a guest. To begin with, can you tell us about your current profession? So I know you're a nurse and a midwife. Perhaps you could tell us how you got there. Um, Well, first of all, thank you for having me as well. And um, thank you to Corona Plus. Um, Yeah, so I've been a midwife for um, a lot of years now. And um, I went straight from school to become a nurse. Um, Wasn't sure that I wanted to become a nurse, but sort of got to the end of year 12 and thought better do something. So I actually um, got into uni back then and five of us from school actually went and did the same course together so that was nice because we sort of got Mm. to have people that we knew so we did that three years together then I actually worked for a while um, in a metropolitan area in New South Wales and it was um, one of the the lower socioeconomic areas um, there and I had the best um, the best nursing experience there as well the staff were great um clientele were great uh worked um did a graduate program so I did a a 12-month program there and then after that I chose where I wanted to go so I did surgical for um, Mm -hmm. a few months then I actually went overseas for six months I didn't work I just saved up went overseas Mm -hmm. for holidays then I came back and um back then um you could actually have a job arranged before you actually left to go on holidays because they said oh well what do you want when do you want to start when you come back I went oh okay no worries I'll come back so I did ICU for six months and that was really good and while I was I actually did it for nearly 12 months and while I was doing that um, the opportunity came up to do midwifery and it was the midwifery um, 
the last group going through the hospital training. Mm-hmm. So I actually got into that. Um, it was actually postponed for funding, but then re-advertised um, again um, and we got in after six months. So we did that. And then once I did that, um, worked for three months after I graduated, after 12 months, and then I moved to Queensland. Yeah. So that's sort of my journey, how yeah. I ended up in Queensland and how I went from school. So Lovely. Yeah. And you're also a clinically endorsed midwife. What does that mean? Okay, so basically um, you do extra study. So when I did mine, it was um, six months. Um, it was mainly online that you could do. And it just gives you that extra um, autonomy that you can um, prescribe medications, prescribe ultrasounds, order pathology for your client. So if you were being um, independent midwife, like, yep. like a home birth midwife, you could do all this yourself and you don't need um, doctors to write that up for you. Um, unfortunately, I'm not an independent midwife, um, but I haven't actually been able to use my endorsement yet because yeah. I'm working um, in a hospital setting, but um, I'm waiting to be credentialed um, for the TCHHS at the moment to see whether or not how we can work it in with working yeah. in the hospital. And what was the TC? Oh, sorry, DHS? Torres and Cape. Um, hospital and health service. Okay, lovely. Well, it sounds like there's exciting things ahead for you. And that leads us nicely on into what are you doing now? So what's your current role? Where are you working? Uh, what, What types of things are you doing at the moment? Well, uh, at the moment, we are setting up for a WEPA birthing project. So WEPA, Far North Queensland, um, in remote Queensland. So Mm -hmm. basically, um, WEPA used to birth many years ago, um, but hasn't birthed uh, for a while. So they did a survey and of the women in the community, Mm -hmm. women in the town, um, Want, wanting to know what they wanted and apparently birthing was what they wanted to come back to Weeper, and it just saves our women having to fly out to Cairns to birth mm-hmm. and they need to leave here at 36 weeks and they mm-hmm. sort of can't come back until the baby's one week old so they could be away for maybe six or seven weeks at mm-hmm. a time and that's a quite expense for them because they've got to you know find their own accommodation yeah. um, and things like and be away from family sometimes yeah. so that's what they decided that they wanted so it must have gone to government and um, they've they received some funding for the mm-hmm. weeper birthing project so it's on its way um, and hopefully we should be birthing um, in the new year oh, that's, so that's just, a great yeah. outcome isn't it yeah yeah so you're working in weeper which is far north of Queensland. How, what's, tell us a little bit about Weeper. How big is it? Where is it kind of located? Just for the listeners so they've got some context. Yeah, so we're very close to the tip of Australia, so the very northern tip. Um, we are, um, I'm not sure in kilometres, but I know it's a 10-hour drive from Cairns to get yeah. to Weeper. Um, in the wet season, which the wet seasons has just started now, um, it's not drivable. So you yeah. get um, flooded in by waters and the only way you can get out is by flying. Yeah. So, and the wet season sort of starts from about now until oh, probably March, April when the um, the wet season settles. So then you can drive in and out. So it's a 10-hour drive and it's not all tarred road. So it's mm-hmm. um, sort of gravel, um, red dirt road. 
and <clears throat> yeah, and there's about three and a half thousand people mm-hmm. in Weeper. Um, we've got surrounding communities, so we have got communities in Napranum and Marpoon, and I think there's around two hundred and fifty to maybe five hundred people in those communities. Um, Marpoon's about an hour away. Napranum's twenty minutes away. Yeah. So, and um, we've got Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander um, women and families in those communities, which we service as well. Yeah. So distance is obviously a real challenge for the community. Yeah, definitely. Um, and obviously services has also been a challenge, which some of them are being reinstated, the birthing services. Are there any other significant challenges for the, the community? Um, here, um, housing, yeah. Uh, yeah, and high costing of living, really. Um, yeah. The high cost... We actually, we're lucky we've got a Woolworths, so, um, and during the dry season, we get trucks come up, so we do get, there's plenty of fresh produce and food, and during the wet season, it'll just come by barge, and sometimes you've got to wait, sometimes the shops are empty, but there's always food, but expense as well, and just rentals are very expensive, and if you want to build a house here, it'd cost a lot of money to be able to get all the, um, the supplies up by road and things yeah. like that. But there's a, it's a mining town, so there mm-hmm. is plenty of work here, but yeah. you need accommodation to be able to live here to be able to work here. Yeah. Um, and that's the tricky part. Yeah. So. And are chronic illnesses a um, challenge for the area? I think so, yeah. So yeah. a lot of um, chronic disease in the community and like speaking from a registered nurse perspective. Mm -hmm. So um, in the communities, you've got a lot of um, hypertension, you've got a lot of diabetes, Um, rheumatic heart disease is a big problem um, up this far with the Torres Strait Islanders and the Indigenous Mm -hmm. um, families. Um, But the services provided here are amazing. Mm -hmm. So it is really well run um there's telehealth available the doctors do clinics out in the communities it is very well sourced and i think the people here get a lot of care that they deserve and sometimes i think it's a little bit better than in the metropolitan area yeah yeah so i think now is a really good time that if you could tell us about some positives of your role and what you're doing the positives are that um, we can give, um, well, in my role as a clinical midwife, uh, we're autonomous. We can give one-to-one individual care. Continuity, continuity of care is the gold standard for midwifery care. Um, and and, and what does that mean? So just so, so our listeners can really understand wh- why this is so beautiful. Yeah, so continuity of care is... Um, So midwifery group practice is the gold standard and that's what they're trying to get everywhere um, Mm -hmm. in most places that have um, birthing. And it's the gold standard, which means that it's the best way. And what it does is that we see women um, from the time that they've um, found out that they're pregnant, they see one midwife. Mm -hmm. Um, We do all their care um, with doctor's input if we need to. And we see them right through antenatal, Once we're birthing, hopefully if um, they are part of um, our criteria to birth, because we will have criteria because Mm -hmm. we're only just a starting service, so we will only be doing low risk. If they're part of that, we will do their birth and then we will do their 
postpartum period until six weeks old, when that baby's six weeks. So we see them for a long period of time. We gain their trust. Um, we're part of their journey and it's an honour for us to be yeah. part of their journey. So, that, and, uh, yeah. that, that sounds, I think, for the lady involved and the family involved to have this one person to go to over the whole period would just the support will be enormous for that for that family yeah and and you build that rapport and and because we can we can visit in their home so they don't have to come to the hospital we can go and do their antenatal clinics at home if they've got small children that they don't want to come out you know um, sometimes if their husbands are working and they're home with the kids they can't come to their appointments but we can go to them so we can do antenatal um, appointments we can do their Mm. postnatal like we take the scales and everything to their homes and we can weigh the baby so they don't have to leave so we can actually do it which suits them and because we're midwifery group practice we're working 24 7 Mm -hmm. so um, even if they are working and even if the partners are working, they can't come through the week, we can see them on the weekends. Like we just we just work around our women and, yeah. um, I mean, we do get days off. Please don't think that we don't. And we, and we are very um, fatigue conscious and but we do um, support our women and we do try to work around the women and they work around us as well. Yeah. So it's a two-way um, yeah. communication and what sort, of, um, what sort of numbers are you expecting using the birthing <clears throat> service? Well, we've, we've got about oh, 50 to 60 people on our caseload at the moment. So mm-hmm. probably half of them are entitled to birth with us being yep. low risk. So in our first year, we'll probably maybe only get about 30. But mm-hmm. hopefully, once we're up and running, um, we service other communities, um in the far north Queensland. So there's also, there's Lockhart River, there's Cohen, Cohen Yama, um, Pomparau mm-hmm. and Aracoon. So there's other places that eventually, if we look after them, um, they will come to us at 36 weeks. We will look after them for that time, yeah. hopefully do their birth and then um, look after them for um, whatever time they want and then they'll go back to their community and be looked after by the community nurses there. It it sounds like a fantastic model um, and really exciting prospect for the community Um, because it it can be such trauma for people to have to leave to go and have their baby in a capital city or um, especially if there's no support, no family and then there's financial burdens on them. As Definitely. well. Now you, I can see you're very passionate about midwifery. So, <laughs> what would be some advice, or what would encourage others to enter midwifery and perhaps remote midwifery practice? Well, I think um, we do need to encourage more people to pursue this career because people are doing it. Um, like the young people are doing their university, they come out, but they're not being supported. So they're not feeling comfortable, they don't like it, and they leave. So um, we're we're sort of getting them but losing them at the same time. So I think um, with proper support and mentoring the young midwives, it could be a rewarding career. And I think encouraging rural remote MGP midwifery is a plus a lot of people say oh you need your experience but if you've got support with experienced midwives you could come rural remote and if you've got that support and mentoring you could get great satisfaction 
I think, yeah. and you become experts in your field with a lot. And as long as you're happy to learn every day, learn something new, which I do every day, um, yeah. the field has lifelong learning. And yeah. I think it's a great career for anybody. You're never out of work and you're, yeah. you're being and you're helping people. You're supporting yeah. people and being there yeah. for them. So as we round off our conversation, start to finish, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, I think um, it can, if you're doing rural remote, it can be lonely, but with support of multidisciplinary team. So you've got your doctors, your physios, your dietitian, diabetic educators. It's not like you don't feel that you're by yourself. So I think that it can, with a wonderful relationship with community, um, and the women, it gives you satisfaction and it gives the women satisfaction. Um, but one plus is for self-care. Okay, yeah. so it's important because there's a high risk of burnout and we need to take time for ourselves. Yeah. Um, and just to be kind and compassionate to women and families yeah. um, and just be true to yourself, listen to advice, listen to your mentors. If you've got a gut feeling, go with it. Yeah. Um, be accountable respectful, true to yourself. I think they're the most important. And I think you need to ask questions, take your breaks. Um, As I said, self-care. But I think join Karana Plus. I'm going to give a little, you know, (laughs) plug here. Attend your conferences, your education sessions, um, apply for your grants, scholarships, um, and it assists for future learning for PDL. That's, uh, that's some great advice for people thinking about entering remote practice. Thank you so much, Lorraine, and all the best with the future development and opening of the birthing services at Weeper. Thank you so much for having me. Nice to meet you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cranacast, and we look forward to sharing more stories from the remote area health workers. We'd like to remind all listeners that the Bush Support Line is available 24-7. It provides confidential support to rural and remote health workers and their families. You can reach out at any time by calling 1800 805 391. If you're enjoying Chronicast and don't want to miss an episode, you can always subscribe via your favourite podcast platform. Take care and stay tuned for the next episode of Chronicast.